Hi, welcome to the things they don't tell black people about law school. We're two first generation cis black women at a T20 law school. And we are here to share things that we wish we knew or things that we wish people talked about. This is just our perspective based on our experiences. And today we are going to be talking about 1L fall academics, which sounds boring, but probably the most important topic when it comes to law school, I think. And it's not that boring. Like it's, there's some razzle dazzle to it. Okay. Let's hear you. <laughs> let's hear your, your razzle dazzle. Um, I think maybe the best place to start is with classes. Uh, how are classes structured, sizes? We have sections. How often your classes meet, what classes there are? Yeah, it's a lot to that. So I think most law schools have sections, right? So our school had like three sections, um, three main sections, which were divided based on like the what are called doctrinal classes, which are like the standard 1L courses, you know, like con law, corporate or not, not corporate. What's con law? (laughs) Constitutional law, which is an exploration of the Constitution. Um, Torts, which is how people sue people. Criminal law. Civil procedure which is kind of like how the law functions, like on a procedural level. Mm -hmm. Um, Contracts Contracts. and property. Property. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um, A lot of classes, actually. And so um, for us at our law school, those sections were your classes could be as small as like 35 people for like the half sections and then as big as like I feel like we had like 90 or 100 people in some of our classes on the um, 100 yeah and we had those doctrinal classes at least three times a week but there was one of them that we had four times a week which was overwhelming which one was that a property we had property four times a week oh I figured that was because he was older and well I I don't know if it's because he was older because I don't I don't know if his other classes are taught like that Mm-hmm. But I um it, I know it was like it was less time. So it was like an hour a day, four days a week. I I felt like I never left property like <laughs> it was just exhausting. Well, in terms of the sections, can you elaborate on what those are, how they function? Who are these people? Yeah, I mean, they're um the people who you're going to be with all of the time. <laughs> How much they're, time? They're your competition. Um, <laughs> you, I mean, they kind of are because you're graded yeah. on the curve. Mm-hmm. But we were with those people all day, every day, like at least like five to six hours a day, every day of the week, um, except for like maybe Fridays. But even some people in your section were in classes you had on Fridays, which were like our um, like our legal writing and legal yeah. research courses. What are those? Uh, <laughs> So legal writing um, is like you learn how to like write like a lawyer, right? So you learn how to do briefs, memos, things like that. And legal research is you learn how to research like a lawyer. So you learn how to use like the legal um, like research databases and things like that. Um, I called legal research just like nap time because like we did nothing in that class. I don't how was yours cuz like we did nothing in my legal research class our professor hated it i became friends with her in fact i still have a book that she gave me that i need to give back she loves um, you I, I love her because didn't you meet her daughter yeah i did meet her daughter yeah she loves you i feel like professors <laughs> just love you but our legal research Sometimes. so i i don't know if this is just at our school but legal research is generally taught by a librarian and they all have law degrees um, which I thought was pretty cool. But I personally think that legal practice and legal research are two of the most important classes. Unlike doctrinals, which are three credits, our legal practice and legal research classes were only two credits, which made me mm-hmm. not want to take it as seriously as I should me have. Too. But I think it's, they're the classes that actually give you applicable and transferable, like real world skills for lawyering. Um, really? Yeah, I disagree only because my now, you know, my legal writing professor is my girl. I love her, Mm -hmm. but everything she taught us is like not useful. Like, like I got to like the summer and I got to like, um, like in the summer and when I got to like 
two L courses where I was doing like similar writing. Mm-hmm. They were like, oh no, don't do that. Like every that's like fair. when she had taught us something, they were like, oh no, you don't that's bad practice. Don't do that. <laughs> and so it was like, love the woman, worship her, but like we we do not need like it, it it's a helpful course. Yeah. But like you don't need it. Well, you raise a good point because my legal practice professor, he just wanted us to write what he wanted us to write. I kid you not. I took notes in office hours with him and I wrote down what he said verbatim and I put it in my paper. And when we were doing a review, he was like, oh, that's really good right there. And that's what he said. So I realized he just wanted to hear himself in (laughs) other people's papers. No, I think that's a lot of what it is. And that's not fair. However, the structure of how a brief and a memo should be are something that we learned. And I realized during my summer internship that that set me apart from people. Really? Writing. Yeah, it, they, because I identified, I gave, I think I did like an overview. So the overview mm-hmm. is basically like, you don't have time, if you don't have time to read this five page memo, here's everything you need to know in six sentences. Mm-hmm. And then I stated the issue. And then I gave a breakdown of the research that I found. And I also, as a research assistant, um, I don't know if I've shared that, but I'm a research assistant Mm -hmm. for one of our professors. I really love the work that I do for him. When I write him memos and it's paid work, when I write him memos, I use the same format that I learned in legal practice. And he really enjoys that. And he will send me memos from previous students and they are just all over the place. (laughs) Like it's just a stream of consciousness. So I do feel that legal practice, if anything, taught me how to structure a memo or a brief, um, still don't fully know the difference between a memo and a brief. And I don't know if that makes me lose credibility on this podcast. I think I think <laughs> if you are not doing litigation, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like they're, they're very different. Um, <laughs> Nobody's going to listen to me speak. Anymore. They're two completely different documents. But like, I didn't really know that until I took like a appellate course, you know, and like actually started doing more like brief writing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, So I think it's like those are things you just learn, like, you know, walk in the door knowing that. So it's OK. You're still incredibly yeah. credible, like well, the most credible who are in my camp and don't know can you describe the difference between the two yeah so a memo is essentially an internal document so like a memo is really only something you would send to someone who's like within your firm or within your team like your legal team kind of describing like either the case or like what's going on or like an issue or something like that like for example this summer i had to do a lot of memos on like a specific issue in like labor law and like send updates as in the form of a memo but like a memo is something that would only probably be shared in court if it was like asked to be accessed as part of like discovery or something right Mm -hmm. whereas a brief is something that you um do submit to the court um so a brief is something that kind of describes it sets up your case in writing um, so it kind of describes like what the legal issue is, what the cases you're using to support your take on the legal issue, um, how you think the court should rule, um, and so on and so forth. And like wh- essentially like why you should win the case. Um, and so briefs are more frequently used in court. So you can submit a brief on behalf of your client to express the case, but then you can also submit a thing called an amicus brief, which is, or amicus. Yes, yeah, people, pronou- people pronounce it different ways, but an amicus brief is basically like a friend of the court brief, which is like, I am a person or I am a group that believes this issue is an important. I'm not a party to the case, but I think that I share, I have some relevant information to share. So for example, like in the Dobbs decision, a bunch of um, like uh, women's rights organizations, as well as like reproductive rights organizations, exactly, wrote amicus briefs like Planned Parenthood, um, the Women's Legal Center, like all of those wrote briefs expressing why upholding um, Roe was important. Obviously, the Supreme Court ignored that, but they, you know, they're still really important. And they're really important to have just like on record that like, these are important issues to consider about this topic. And like, even if the court disregarded them, these are still really important. And like amicus briefs are still out there on record. So yeah, I know we had to write one for class. 
But I guess if I had to sum up what you just described so eloquently, by the way, uh, I would say a memo is more factual because generally when people are requesting a memo, they just want the facts. Mm -hmm. Whereas anything that's external, like a brief or amicus brief is more of a persuasive writing. Exactly. Uh, I think amicus briefs actually allow for a little bit more creative writing than Mm -hmm. a normal brief would, but that's just my take on it. Generally with legal writing, and we can actually get into this later or another episode, maybe um, you want to, you don't want flowery language in your writing. I'd actually disagree. Having taken that, having taken an appellate um, course, like, I, and that's why, like, this, it, it, if I could tell people to take, like, one course in law school, and it's it's crazy that I'm saying this, because I don't want to go into litigation, but, like, if I could tell people to take one course in law school, because I feel like this course, like, so greatly improved my legal research and legal writing skills, it would be, like, an appellate advocacy-like course, you know, but because... But I feel like that is di- because that's when you're writing to a court of appeals, right? Yeah. So obviously it's different, but like yeah. briefs, but like that's a, a very important type of brief, you know, and that's a yeah. brief where, but, but your brief, regardless of what level of court you're writing to should be persuasive. And then so, the language you use, it maybe shouldn't be flowery, especially because a lot of stuff has word limits, mm-hmm. but you, you the better kind of the more creative writer you are almost the better like brief writer you are because if you can say in like 10 words like um there's this like saying like in brief writing it's like uh remember the guacamole um and it's essentially the idea that like if i like describe actually it came from like like a law and psychology course actually but like if you like vividly (laughs) sorry but like if you like vividly describe like guacamole on the table during the like commission of a crime or something the people will like remember more facts about the crime like the jury will remember more like whoever's reading the brief will remember more because Mm -hmm. you vividly described everything so like being able to vividly descriptively like describe everything really takes your brief to another level because like I read some terrible briefs like written by like government federal like presidents lawyers and they were just like so bland and like they didn't do well but like you if you have like a super like creative and persuasive writing style that's also backed in like actual legal foundation um you're unstoppable I think creative can be good but you're not writing poems yeah no you should be like (laughs) that's what I mean with flowery language like that is not the place for um there's a way to write with passion that is persuasive, that is not as if I am reading your journal or a love letter to someone. Maybe I should stop using romantic context. But when I say flowery language, I think I'm using things that aren't, you're using words that aren't really tangible. They just (laughs) invoke, um, I don't want to say that limited to feelings because it's more than that. It's just- Mm -hmm. If you didn't have these words in there, I would still understand what you're trying. Exactly. To say. Yeah, and you do need to we, be succinct. <laughs> yeah, we have judges coming to our school recently and giving talks. And some of them have said, they said, I hate reading beyond the facts. Mm-hmm. Like, you can convince me, but you don't need to go beyond the facts. But we are going too far down this brief and memo train. <laughs> Sorry, it's, but it's it's super important. So it is. if if you all want us to talk about this, we can just let us know. But Mm -hmm. I think legal practice and legal research, even though they're fewer credits, they are important courses. Um, Your other classes, and one thing that people don't share, law school does not teach you how to be a lawyer. It teaches you how to analyze cases and legal writing. And I'd add how to know what your professor wants, because that's really the way to succeed in law school. So I I guess let's get into it. So professors, how would you describe the dynamics between students and professors in law school? So um, I love pretty much all of my professors, except for like a couple, because I think that they are all insane. And, you know, I like people who like are a little off, you know, Mm -hmm. and I think law school professors are just like, some of them have just been doing this forever. Some of them have just been like 
Some they of them don't have is, time for the bullshit. Yeah, and I actually love those. The ones that just sidestep that like, just literally will tell the student, we're not talking about that. I'm oh, not that's answering my that question favorite. today. And it's not on, it's not, it's usually on topics that are completely irrelevant to what oh, we're yeah. doing. Because there's always, and we can talk about this later, but there's always like at least one or two students in every class you're going to take in law school who Man. like, like to hear themselves. So, actually, there's one person who I miss. I don't have a class with them this semester, but, um, oh, I, I know who you're talking about. <laughs> I miss him. But he, the, he, I mean, he said like his goal is just to keep it interesting. And, and so, he, so for context, they use in classes, they use the Socratic method. Can generally, you tell us what that is? Oh, gladly. <laughs> so generally, well, just for context, what the true Socratic method is, is actually a professor asking, or excuse me, a student asking the professor questions and professors responding in a way that gets the student to the fact or the like, and the objective or outcome that they're looking for. What it looks like at our law school is a professor generally calling on a student or several students after uh, to discuss a reading assignment. So one professor I had, one L, he would call, you were on call all class. So that means you were the only person talking for 82 minutes. Mm -hmm. And he would ask you, uh, for example, if it was a tort class, they would ask you, okay, this car hit someone. How fast was the car? How fast was the car going? Um, What direction was the car headed in? Where, (laughs) this isn't funny, but torts (laughs) is just crazy. Where did the person land after the car hit them? And you have to respond to these questions. So I think it's important to realize that when you're reading a case, you should be thinking critically about what you're reading. Mm -hmm. But with the Socratic method, the professor will generally, some professors do one student, some professors will call on a series of students, but it's a conversation with the professor about what you read. And some, in some cases, they'll ask you, did the court get this right? Did the court get this wrong? What are your opinions about the outcome? How do you Mm -hmm. feel about this topic? Um, so don't just, this is not your standard reading. You're not reading just to internalize the information you're reading, you're analyzing it. And you're also spotting, um, maybe we should talk about briefing, but you essentially want to brief a case. And what that means is you are spotting the issue, which is the question that the court is trying to answer. And that could be something as simple as did this person commit this crime or, Mm -hmm. Um, did this is this person, a violation of like due process? <laughs> yeah. Did the person have the mental state required to commit this crime? Mm-hmm. Um, in addition, so what the court will do when they break down a case is they will say, this is the issue we're talking about. Here are the facts. The facts usually follow the question um, or the issue, and they'll give you a rundown of what happened. And then generally they'll state the rule. So here are the facts. The rule in this instance is generally if we have A, B, and C, then we have a law break. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the facts don't really allow for a clean dissemination of what happened or whether they broke the law. So what they'll do is give their rationale. Based on this rule, this is how we think it applies to this Mm -hmm. case. Um, And the last part of my brief, some people add a lot to their briefs. I try and keep it simple. The last part of the brief should be the holding, what the court decided. Um, So just try not to confuse the rationale for the holding. And sometimes yeah. they'll they'll cite uh they'll cite case law or uh common law, which is like a very weird American thing. Um, but oh what's that? Mm-hmm. I was thinking, sorry, another thing that I always include in my briefs, especially for a class like civil procedure where we're focused on the procedure, is a procedure. So that's like the history mm-hmm. of what happened in the case before the moment we're reading the case. So like for example, if it's like a Supreme Court case, it's going to be like the channels the case moved through prior to that mm-hmm. to get there and what those holdings were or what those like rationales were. Mm-hmm. And it's, I generally book brief. Um, we're getting into how we study, I guess, at this point, but mm-hmm. it took me a while to get to the point where I was book briefing because I'd been out of school for a while and I did become more the summer before 1L, I really thought about how I learned. How do I retain information? Mm-hmm. And I think it's important that everyone sit down and just have an honest conversation with yourself about how you learn, what environment you learn, and do you learn verbally? Uh, we had a friend who always needed to explain things to people in order to internalize that information. That's not necessarily how I learn. Um, I'm a visual person. I was an art major. Um, so I learned by sorting things out by colors so my my case books look like coloring books me too (laughs) yeah yeah, I enjoy it um but each 
part of my brief. So the issue, the rationale, the rule, the holding, the facts, all of those are different colors. And that's intentional because during my cold call, the professor says, hey, what happened in this case? I know immediately to go to the orange section of my book because that's where the facts are. If they ask me for the rationale, I know that that's yellow. So figure out how you learn. Uh, I had a classmate. He did very well in his classes. He created a grid, a basically a table in uh, Word, and that had all of his briefs. Um, do something that is easy for you and easy to recall information quickly. Uh, you may even want to consider reviewing the text or the readings prior to the class. I'll be very honest. I think I've done that a handful of times just because that's not how I manage my time. Um, but do what works for you. Yeah, I don't review before class usually unless it's like a class that like either I know I'm going to be on called for or like it's a class where I like just really didn't understand the case. But like um, I also book book brief, but I moved into that after doing like, like you said, a series of trial and errors. And I think the most important thing for me with my reading and like being able to retain information is I take notes as I read. So like in addition to having like a ton of colors in my readings, I also have like a ton of notes in the margins. Like mm -hmm. just like sometimes they're just like, oh, that's crazy. And sometimes they're like, oh, this is what's happening in this paragraph. And so for me, because I am both a visual learner and like a, that's how I memorize things too. Like I, if I take notes while I'm reading, I can usually quickly recall it like later, you know? Yeah. The biggest advice that I give to one else and um, both of us are actually admissions ambassadors. So we're generally in front of prospective students, students, admitted students, incoming students, which is wild that they would put me in front of anybody who's considering going to law school. Mm -mm, but, I'd be talking to these people every day and I'm like, I shouldn't be talking to you. <laughs> I tell the truth. I guess I'm just, I think I'm more honest than they would want someone in front of students to be, but neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> the biggest advice that I give to incoming 1Ls is that you should not feel afraid to try something different. That Absolutely. Is a, yes. You will do things that don't work. And it's really hard, at least at our institution. I think this goes for most of the top universities or law schools, rather. Um, you have one final and that is your grade. So you learn everything you can for three for months. For the most part. There are some courses where the professors you'd give quizzes and um, papers and stuff, even one all year. Um, I, we, I didn't we never had the pleasure of having that. No. But I've heard stories from people in other sections. That's not our lived experience. And this is just our perspective. But I, we, we studied for 12 weeks. We took an exam and that was our grade. So there's really no way to really know what's working, but you will realize in class, if you are not following what's going on, that's when you should be maybe considering adjusting your mm -hmm. behavior. You don't have to completely start from scratch, do what works for you and go to office hours. If you find that it sounds like people are speaking another language in class, that is a good sign to go to the professor and unpack what you're not understanding. Mm -hmm. Don't be afraid to sound stupid. Um, I don't really care what my classmates think of me. So I ask questions in class, but if you are not comfortable asking questions in class, go to office hours. Um, I, I would say, even if you think you are doing incredible, even if you think you know enough to teach the course, mm -hmm. go to office hours. Mm -hmm. and, <laughs> and our even, professors are accessible like, yeah extremely like I think professors have to hold office hours but one great thing about our professors is they want to hold office hours mm -hmm. um and so I would say take advantage of that and if you happen to go to a school where the professor is not willing to hold office hours you need to go to the administration and be like this is unacceptable yeah. I need to be able my professor needs to be accessible to me because they, office hours, and I feel like we've talked about office hours before, but we have professors that will give nuggets of knowledge that will be on the exam during office hours that they won't share with the rest of the class. Mm -hmm. Some professors are good about it and they'll say, hey, I was talking to a student about this outside yeah, of class. Or they'll send like an email. Yeah. And I wanted to share this with you all, but some professors do use office hours as an opportunity, one, to get to know students, but two, to give them a leg up. Um, once you have that relationship, it's super beneficial to other things. Like one of my mentees 
um, she has a good relationship with her professor and there was extra credit that was due and she missed the deadline by, I think she submitted, she was thinking about submitting it the next day. She called me and she said, hey, it's late. I'm not going to submit it because it's late. I said, have you ever talked to him? She said, yeah. I was like, go to his office, tell him it's late and then ask him for feedback so that it seems like, hey, even though this is late, I would love to hear what your thoughts are. And ultimately he let her submit it because he was like, thanks for coming to my office and talking to me about it. Mm-hmm. Um, they're people. They yeah, and they like them. That's like that's the biggest thing is like I went to my professor's office hours sometimes to just like sometimes I was real confused. Like there was one class where like it wasn't going I well. Love this <laughs> she would I knew it wasn't going well. I actually thought it was kind of I was delusional. I thought it was going <laughs> well. She didn't. She didn't think it was going well, and she told me she was like, "Oh my god." I'm worried you don't have a grasp of this class. Mm -hmm. And she literally sat with me the weekend before finals for like three hours, went over three practice exams, like every topic we ever discussed in um, that class. And it ended up being like, I did well. Like I actually did well. And you should tell people what you got. You should be proud of what you got. Well, I I got an A minus, so it's not like there you go. You got an A though. You got an A A in the top. I got an A minus. But I don't like the way you're coming at my friend's grade right now. You need to (laughs) chill. But the fact that like I went from potentially, I probably would have had one of the lowest grades in the class if I hadn't have gone to her office hours. Mm. And so like that's the thing is like take advantage of the office hours. Take advantage of the practice exams. If your professor offers the opportunity to take a practice exam, take it. If they offer the opportunity to take a practice exam and talk to them about it and like you can meet with them and go through the exam that's even better because oh 100 percent. like because some professors don't some professors will be like I have one practice exam I'm not talking to you about it leave me alone but some professors will be like do my practice exam come talk to me let's go over it we'll discuss it and it's like it's a game changer. Like it really is. And like, you'll be surprised by how many students don't do that. Like how many students don't take practice exams? How many students don't go meet with their professors? And if your professor doesn't have practice exams available, you need to email them and say, Hey, do you have any exams? And honestly, I know some students do this. Some professors, our 1L professors did not allow us to talk about the exam until I think the month of, and it's because like, uh, I think their rule, like at least first semester was like after Thanksgiving, we could talk about yeah. it. And at that point, what we're like seven weeks in or something. Oh, way more. Okay. We're, we only got like oh, two weeks left November. after Thanksgiving. Oh, I'm really losing points today. But, <laughs> but I think because everyone knows it's your only grade, people tend to obsess over it and it gets in the way of your learning because you're so focused on mm-hmm. what the exam will look like, but it's really hard to, it's not hard to understand. It's important to understand that your exam is a comprehensive overview of everything that you learned and you should treat it as such. Uh, actually, um, we'll talk about exams, but there's these things called issue spotters. And basically it is a story. <laughs> Someone tells you a story of what happened And you have to put your lawyer hat on and you have to go in and find all of the potential claims or in some legal issues, legal issues that you may have um, from that, from different perspectives. But that's another conversation. But don't obsess over exams. Just focus on learning how to take notes, what your professor wants. I thought that was really great advice that you gave and building a relationship with your professor. And honestly, there are going to be some professors that you just don't fool with. And they just don't fool with you. Like, honestly, like you will go to their office hours and they will be looking at you like, why are you here? Why are you here? And you'll be looking at them like, why am I here? I told one of my professors about himself. Yeah. See, we don't talk. I luckily (laughs) didn't. Like, I have one professor who I, like, will never speak to. Um, And, like, he wasn't even, like, my worst grade. It was just, like, I just, like, don't think he's, like, a good human. And so mm-hmm. it was just like, I just, it actually two, we, one of, one of the professors was my best grade one all year, but I will never speak to her ever again. And I will never speak kindly of her ever to anyone. I just don't talk about people I don't like, but it was just like, she, well, she's just a bad enough person that like, if somebody was like on a hiring committee and was like, should we hire her? I'd be like, absolutely not. <laughs> That's fair. I mean, our professor was dating students, so yeah, 
I and he and he's he much in. older than I thought he was. I confused an affirmative defense for something, and he lost it in front of a group of people and took it as an opportunity to embarrass me. And after oh, I, I took that. the it, I mean, it's okay. Cause after I took the exam, I was like, Hey, can I give you some feedback? <laughs> but that's the thing too, is some of them, like, it's really funny too. Like, I, I guess we'll talk about professors more, but like, um, we had professors, like their personalities were so different. Like there was one professor we had who was like, so mean to men like mm-hmm. like so mean to men so but nice like literally so kind of women like he had i'll never forget like he had the class sing me happy birthday like he sure did. that was like, really sweet and i got a fact wrong on a case and he and like literally he was, he was so he was nice like, about it and i stood my ground look at that yeah yeah you were like, like loud and wrong again. and he was yeah, like was, yeah he got to the point where he was like second paragraph page four like he was like literally (laughs) guiding you they were neighbors but like the funny part is like not even like days prior some guy like had got like a different like fat grog and he was like i told you to read two hours a week like i don't know what i mean two hours for a class i don't know what's wrong with you you're Mm -hmm. not like he was mean but like to women he'd be like oh it's okay it's okay. Take your time. And that was like a little like infantilizing, obviously. Like, yeah, <laughs> I was like not great. But speaking of, I think I wish we had a better reporting system and I'm trying to come up with this. But if you experience microaggressions from your professor, make sure your school has an avenue to address those. We yeah. have really, I would say, I'll speak for myself. Crimson? That was traumatic. That's people the, don't that's the person people gonna... who I said I would I would like yeah. go to the like hiring board and be like, don't hire her. She allowed the and I guess this is getting into class dynamics, but she allowed conversations to get out of hand. And supposedly with this class, they try not to make it about race, but we know that criminal law in the US is, is deeply wrong, rooted race. in yeah. racism and white supremacy, upholding white supremacy. But she we didn't have any context she's she showed evidence she showed a evidence tape of a black child being shot in the back and then moved yeah. on as if nothing had happened it and was, was just like, every this is modern day it. lynching and she allowed people to say things that were blatantly racist and, and on top of that like in addition to the racism she didn't understand what she was teaching sure did because someone would be like oh hey can you explain this topic and she'd be like let me get back to you tomorrow. Like, <laughs> so if you experience, or I think if one else experienced microaggressions, they should not More be macroaggressions. Macro- that was just oh. like, that wasn't That's a just microaggression. Yeah, yeah, that wasn't a microaggression. Like Make you sure should, that, go ahead. I was going to say, you should 100% feel comfortable or find an avenue or try to find a place that you feel comfortable going to report that to, because like, don't just let that slide. And also mm-hmm. like, in addition to finding a place within the school to report it to you while it's happening, take those like post-class like surveys mm-hmm. that they ask you to fill out or reviews about your professors. Take that and be very honest. seriously and be honest. Like now for tenured professors, it might not have as much weight, but there are a lot of associate professors who are looking to be tenured who that can completely change their ability to get hired on as a tenured professor. So I would say if be honest, know, be like, 100% honest yeah. and, and be real, be like, just say the truth because I think it's really important. And sometimes people look at those and they're like, Oh, this doesn't matter. Nobody's I'm not going to take it seriously. And they do read them because they have to, but <laughs> they do. And it's imp- like, it's important to realize these things add up. Microaggressions will add up and they will unfortunately affect your learning experience. And your primary goal is to get this degree and do the best that you, I mean, actually, let me, let me not make goals for people, but (laughs) yeah, get this degree, but I hope everyone is out here trying to do the best that they can and having to deal with that kind of stuff. It weighs on you. Yeah, absolutely. And you don't have to deal with that. You have to deal with that. Yeah. It, you shouldn't have to deal with that. And so I would say, just know that you don't have to deal with that. Like take care of yourself, but also don't be afraid to like, push back at that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. because it's not acceptable 
and with your classmates too people will we've talked about about this probably a dozen times at this point people will try to make you feel like you don't belong in that room how they feel about you you is nothing you do you do your school is not doing community service poo and if they were they wouldn't be doing it for you so i would say speaking of your classmates one thing we haven't talked about yet is um study groups so in law school like have you seen legally blonde which shout out to my girl l um you have heard you've probably seen the concept of study groups but if you haven't it's essentially and it's a very popular thing in law school like people come to law school and they're like I need to form a study group. I need to form a study group. And it's essentially like a group of people that you will study with. Usually it's people in your doctrinal classes, even though I've had like success studying with people who weren't in my classes, but we're taking like the same class at the same time, but we had different professors. That was also super helpful sometimes. But I think it's important to know on that note, not all professors will teach the same topic the same. Yeah. We took torts together. You were Oh my gosh. We could not have studied for torts together. We, you were doing math. We did, we covered <laughs> the spectrum of torts. We focused on negligence. You, and we didn't even learn intentional torts. We did negligence, but we never learned intentional torts. Yeah, which is crazy to me. But just just keep that in mind when you're studying with people. Make sure that the professors are teaching similar top, like similar yeah. subjects. I yeah, so when I say that, I should have a caveat with the fact that like, this was the crim law professor who didn't know what she was talking about. And her husband was also at the school teaching crim law. And I'm pretty sure he was writing her lessons for her. And, but maybe not, but maybe they were like, had just similar like lesson styles. And this isn't us hitting on women. This was a really overall. No, because the incredible professor who walked me through like my horrible um, like knowledge and got me a good grade was also an incredible woman. Um, But this uh crim law i was able to study with someone who was taking her husband's course mm-hmm. and um like it really helped me understand what crim law was actually <laughs> so um, I, would, I would recommend it if you could see that your professors have and sometimes professors another interesting thing um professors will model younger professors will sometimes model themselves after um more established professors and so I've had professors um, in the past, we had one recently who he modeled, like our corporations professor modeled himself after another professor. So oh, is, I, that, is that that German one? The book prof- we read, the, the guy who wrote the book? No, he modeled himself after a professor in our school because he oh. would be like, oh, you could, I don't, I only have like one practice exam, but you can also take the exam of this guy. Because he nice similar like style. And I had my con law professor did that as well. So sometimes they'll model themselves after other professors. So it could be helpful to talk to a student who's taking that other professor's course. But some groups aren't specific to exams. They they're just people to review material with. Yeah, to understand concepts with. I will say I've not been a part of a successful study group. That's shady because I started one or tried to start one, which was based on random people. Someone advised me. They said it's best not to study with your friends, which is funny because some of my best grades I've gotten from studying with particular people. Like, I I don't want to say I handpicked. I'm not as bad as one of our classmates who only talks <laughs> to number one through seven. <laughs> and we all know what he's doing. He hates that. He it's so him. funny. Oh, you over there hustling? <laughs> um, I I studied with some classmates that I feel like had similar trains of thought. People will confuse you. Again, the friend we had that was very verbal, she learned through exp- explaining things, but how she explained it, explained things just confused me further. I literally had to leave the room when she was explaining things, like because it it would throw me off. It but was the problem her, is, what we had. I we have another friend who would study with her and be like asking her questions and she'd be explaining it to her and they'd both be like vibing out understanding it and I was like I gotta leave because all of this is just bad like (laughs) so I we do we want to I'll talk about what worked for me recently um I think we should talk about what um I think we should talk about the failed study group first because we can just get that out of the way from a spectator standpoint of view all right so so I think I went can I say what I think was failure of it we don't have to go through well, what happened but i think what i think well th- then it's just us talking to each other i think well, it's I important to give context the, the three the my main things that i think were a failure about it which are like generally applicable a i what? think one applicable sorry <laughs> <laughs> 
tongue tied. Well, tongue tied, you know the song. Don't take me tongue tied. But um, I would say it was too big. There were like how many? How many people was it? There were like ten people in that study group. It was at one point. It was like eleven <laughs> trying to gatekeep who could join. This it was terrible- too. It was too big. It was too many people. Okay. I think um, everybody might not have had the same goal no. uh, with the study group. Uh, I think we all wanted to do well, but I think what that meant or how that came out wasn't necessarily like best. And I think we just didn't know what to do. Like, I think some people were like, oh, let's like do outlines with each other. But I was very much of the um you know mindset that like i'm gonna create my own outlines because that's also how i learned so like i can't like use someone else's outline you know yeah. and we'll get in I, I would hope we would do an episode on um, yeah we're gonna do it. definitely do but an outlines are based, in short outlines are just a basically a write-up of everything you covered in class but it's I would say synthesized or it's shorter. It's kind of condensed. It's condensed and it's also organized in a way that's useful because sometimes your professors teach things in like a little bit of a chaotic manner. So your outline will be more organized in the sense of like, this is how I should approach the exam Mm -hmm. or this is how I should like remember this stuff. Um, But we can talk about that more later. Yeah, so that's, that's what an outline is, so. But yeah, I think those were the main things that made it a failure. Um, and then I think it also was like a combination of personalities that don't necessarily like mesh well, like, because mm-hmm. I think it should know that like of the 11 people in that study group, I think I still talked to four of the people. Yeah, but I still talked to everyone, but maybe like three, but one, cause she, she, she said a racial slur. So that was, yeah, know, well, that's out. That's like a, yeah. <laughs> that so was, a she yeah. was out. And, and, like, and saw nothing wrong with it, but another yeah. another story for another day. But I essentially, so how this came about is I heard about my white classmates. They were studying. They were like, oh, me and my study group. And I'm like, who who's making these study groups? How is this happening? Why aren't people inviting me? And I think being a minority <laughs> student, people will doubt your ability and just not include you in things. I mm-hmm. didn't get asked to be in a study group by anyone. Um, so I went to the office of, uh, we have an office for student experiences basically. And I went, they're just there for these weird one-off questions. So I said, Hey, that's not what they're there for, but, uh, I essentially, (laughs) but like you could use them as that. I, I use them for everything, but they have jobs. (laughs) You okay um so I went to them and I said really funny no because I was gonna be like they some of them I don't know but uh I went to them and I said hey people are studying forming study groups how does this happen how do I get one they said generally it happens organically and it wasn't happening happening organically for me and coincidentally a lot of my black classmates I actually think I put all of the black people in the study group it we should we should say yeah we should say that you did Put, actually, I except think, for one, but no, she no, no, it, it, anyway. it was except for three. But right, but, but we should note that when she says that she put all the black people in the study group, it was four people because <laughs> it wasn't that many black people. Actually, in our, in section, our section, out of a hundred people, there were about seven black people. I would say you said that that like that was good. Um, on this thing, I created a group chat or I got people's numbers after class. I was just like, hey, do you have a study group? And they would say no. I said, great, let's begin a study group. We tried it. We didn't, we tried to out, we didn't, we didn't start the study group by outlining goals. We, by the third meeting, we were like, let's just go around and say names and pronouns. Let's start over. (laughs) That did not go well. People had different goals. So when you're studying with people, try to make sure they're people who you can understand their thought process, people who have the same goals as you and people who they don't, I was going to say people who understand the material because one else will lie and pretend. Like oh they yeah. Especially and they fall. Don't. And you need to be honest. If you have a flimsy understanding of the material, it may be best for you to get a firm understanding before you try to be around other people because they may confuse you unless you have a dynamic, like the two friends we mentioned where one explains it and one asks questions and that works for you. Go ahead, find what works for you, but just be aware of how you learn and who you're studying with. Mm-hmm. 
I totally, I totally agree. Yeah, we tried to turn our failed study group into a game night, and then that oh, just, I, that set it on fire. That was the worst game night I think I've ever been the a part of. By, yeah, because I made them, but I like, know I made the when I made the lime margaritas, that was good. But that was like horrible. Like, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I'm it's sorry, okay. listeners. It was just, it was traumatic. Yeah. Well, okay. So ending on a fun note, a high, low, and piccolo. Piccolo being the surprise, it sounds like, was the low of 1L Fall Academics, the study group? I think I think the low was the study group. I think, um, no, that's not true. I'm giving the study group too much credit because I'm going to be honest with you. It's only recently that I've thought about the study group because it was just like shocking. But like, <laughs> um, I hadn't actually thought about it in a long time. But I will say, I think the low was probably just like kind of feeling not super like on strong footing, like just like the uncertainty of it all up until grades was just like really not like great. It was just like, I don't know what's going on. I'm confused. I don't know. Like up until finals, it was just a really uncertain period. So I would say that was a low. The high I would say was just like, being a student again, I realized I missed learning and I missed being in an environment where I was like challenged and like just got to like explore myself. Um, and I would say my piccolo was definitely what happened in Civ Pro, where I um, was delusional about how I was doing and my professor kept it real with me. Um, and she probably changed the trajectory of my GPA for the better. (laughs) Do you still talk to that professor? Do you guys have a good relate? Do you all have a good relationship? Yeah, I, um, I'm in class with her right now and, um, I've used her, like I've had her be a reference for me, um, for stuff before. Um, and, um, like last semester I purposely didn't take the class she was teaching, but I would be like, I really miss you. She'd be like, I miss you too. <laughs> That's really sweet. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, my high, low, and big low. My low. Oh, my low would probably be getting. I don't know. I think my low was just all of it <laughs> academically. It was just hard. I had been out of yeah. school so long and realizing how much I needed to read and retain and finding a flow. But my high was learning how to take notes efficiently. Like if there's one thing I think I did well, except for in one class, I realized with the friend who said this slur, I could be writing stuff that wasn't being said by the professor. I oh, I remember <laughs> I yeah. remember when you discovered that. <laughs> I was like, I just write things down. So... <laughs> Maybe that was a piccolo, but my high was learning that when I learned how to take notes, I had good notes. I was flattered anytime somebody asked me for my notes. And to this day, I think I take good notes. One of one of the LLM students was basically, he was trying to, he's like, can you just send me all of your notes? I was like, no, dude. Um, I I think it's funny that like I write down everything. So people, when they get my, I think when you got my notes one time, you were like, why are you write you write down everything? Yeah. I don't ask for your notes anymore. I, I ask for notes. I know it was so stressful well, for you. You also I format my notes like I have a main bullet and then sub bullets and all of yours are on the same line and that stresses me out. I know it is really, I don't know what's important or what's related. And see, I that's why outlining is so important for me because I organize it later. I'm oh, sorry, no. but keep going. But um, it was just I just remember your reaction to getting my notes once. Right. My high was I would say my, in terms of academics specifically, my high was just learning a flow for how I book brief and how I notate. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll change my low. My low was realizing I should have been outlining from the start. Mm-hmm. Like I was not outlining from the start and that made for a very stressful finals for me. So I would say that that low, um, me saying all of it was a low was being dramatic. I'm grateful for this opportunity and I'm so mm-hmm. happy that I'm here. And I'm happy you're too. And I'm grateful for you. A piccolo from fall academics was um, the study group. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, how welcoming the professors were. 
one the one professor I gave feedback on he was talking to me crazy because he thought that it would motivate me as a black woman and I think he thought like oh black people respond to aggression he said oh my god he well he didn't say as a black woman but I learned that he talked to other black people the same (laughs) way where he was like what's wrong with you maybe this isn't for you and I actually think that there's a general idea that like people instilling doubt in black people motivates them. Yeah. I think because a lot of black professors in the law school operate that way too. Like, no, that's not, that's not what I like. I don't like that. (laughs) Well, I think they think that like you, it's just mean. It's just, yeah, it is mean, but I think that they think like, (laughs) Oh, you know, black people are really good at making lemonade. Yeah. Let me me make it hard for you. And it's like, no, don't do that. So that was a piccolo um the piccolo is just like the different professor dynamics and these people are people too and I need to treat them as such so when they say things that are crazy of course deliver it in a tactful way I'm fairly decent at giving feedback because of my job we had feedback trainings like every other month but don't be afraid to approach your professor if they come at you sideways about something obviously well, our exams are supposedly anonymous. So when I took my exam, some of them have participation grades. So the professors do have to like see the name and the grade because they'll give you participation. Points. Also, our professors have this thing in their, um, like most of them have this thing in their syllabus that's like, I reserve the right to bump to, you uh, yeah. like, uh, like from an A minus to an A based on your participation. Well, so I'm like, I, it, it's not that anonymous. It's not super anonymous, but I gave him feedback. He was grading exams when I gave him feedback. I got a decent grade, you know. I w- it wasn't an A, unfortunately. It was a high B plus, but that's still yeah. great. All right. Um, should we end? Yeah, let's do our the- word of the day. Do you have uh do you have any that you want to share? I don't. Okay, I'm gonna share some lap some Latin. <laughs> All right. Rapes All right. Rest- what is a rest ipsa? uh oh do you want to do that i actually have been writing them down because just for fun no Uh, we can do a different one okay uh i might butcher this but pack sunt servanda spell it (laughs) p-a-c-t space s-u-n-t space servanda s-e-r-v-a-n-d-a oh tell me what it means um this is more of an international law term but it means that agreements agreements must be kept so if the parties oh. agree to something, you have to, in good faith, try to maintain that agreement. Um, so, yeah, uh, there's a lot of Latin in law school. Maybe we should do Latin words. Yeah, that's like very ex cool. Like ex ante. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> thanks for listening. Stay Black. Have a beautiful Bye. <laughs>